I've entitled this message this morning, The Lord Knows the Heart. The Lord Knows the Heart. And we're going to focus this morning on one particular guy in the Christmas story. We're going to focus on the man we heard in Matthew chapter 2, a man called King Herod. That's who we're going to focus this morning on. And three things about this king that I want to bring to your attention this morning. The first thing I want to say that this, he was a disturbed man. He was a disturbed man. King Herod, King Herod is not a fictional character. King Herod was a man who was placed in charge of Judah by the Roman authorities. King Herod was a, a man who had everything. Before the arrival of the wise men, he had everything was going according to his plan. Everything was working according to the way he wanted it to work. And if you didn't like him, and he didn't like you, he would dispose of you. He would get rid of you. In fact, historians tell us that he killed his wife, he killed his three sons, he killed his mother-in-law, his brother-in-law, and his uncle. He was a ruthless, self-centered Man, and he was the king of Judah. He had everything going according to his plan. And then he heard this news. The wise men came and they asked him, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when he rose and have come to worship him. Can you just imagine when King Herod heard this? Where is he who was born king? Can you imagine what he must have thought to himself? What? You mean another king? It took me three years to subdue hold of Judah so that they come under my authority and now you're telling me there's another king? I took be three years to have all the power, all the control. Anyone who doesn't agree with me gets disposed of, gets killed, gets put aside. It took me three years and now you are telling me there's another king. And so we read these words. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. He was troubled. He was worried. You know, he, he had it all mapped out how it's going to happen for him and now he's heard another king is born. Now it's my understanding that many people seem to live like that in our day. Many people fair enough they don't go around killing their mother-in-laws and brother-in-laws and stuff but many people live with this idea that they've got everything under control. My life is all sorted out. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't give me any advice. Don't tell me how to spend my money. Don't tell me how to spend my leisure time. I have got everything under control. There's no need to have um, you give me any advice. They're very much like King Herod. Don't want any advice. Don't want any pointers. Don't want anyone to tell me from the Bible, especially from the Bible, how to live my life. I've got everything under control. And this is where 
we find that even King Herod was troubled because another king has been born. Not just a baby. And I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is not just a, a baby has been born. A king had been born. And this king who has been born has come to rule and to have authority and dominion. Now let me tell you this to you very plainly. This king who has been born has come to have authority over your life. This king who is born has come to have dominion over your life. In fact, he's come to knock you off your high horse. He's come to dethrone you and to set your kingdom in his life. That's what he's come for. Now, you've heard the term, we've all said it before, you are your own worst enemy. you heard that term before. You're your own worst enemy. In fact, there's a growing number of teenagers, especially amongst girls, but a growing number of teenagers who self-harm themselves. They cut themselves. Now, some of us here would ask the question, why would they do that? But there's something about their, 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 their mind. I mean, Kevin alluded to it as well, that, you know, I think it was Steve, that he looked in the mirror and he hated himself. Didn't like what he saw. Often people who drink and smoke don't realise, maybe they do, what damage they're doing to their bodies. And they will carry on drinking, they will carry on smoking, they'll buy packs of cigarettes, will say cigarette will cause cancer, and they won't even worry about that, they will carry on. Why? Because they are their own worst enemy. And without Christ, People will take themselves to hell by themselves. Without Christ. And this king who has been born, has been born in love, has been sent in love. And the reason why he's come, the reason why he's been born in love, is to dethrone you. Because you are your own worst enemy. And if he can dethrone you and take you off the throne and place himself upon the throne of your life, that he will lead you into greener pastures. This king has been born to rescue and to deliver. But when King Herod heard that this king was born, he didn't rejoice. He didn't say, wonderful, a new king. No, he was disturbed. He was troubled. And when you stop someone in the street, or even preach a sermon like this in a church like this. And you say, a king has been born to dethrone you and to set his kingdom in your life. Some people will get disturbed. Somebody will say, you know what, I'm not too sure that I want a king in my life. And many are like Herod in that. He was a disturbed man. I wonder how many disturbed men and women we have in the house this morning. When I tell you that a king has come to take his leadership in your life, how many of you will rejoice and say, thank you, God? Or how many will say, you know what? I'm troubled by that. I'm disturbed by that. This man was disturbed. 
Second thing I want to say about this king, that he was a connected man. Let's just read the verses here. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem was with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The second thing I want to say about this king, that he was a connected man. He was a man who had religious people around him. He was a man who could call up chief priests and teachers of the law. He was a man who had people speaking the Bible to him. Can you imagine that? I mean, these men who he called, they knew where to find this verse. You find this verse in Micah 5, chapter 2. It's written hundreds of years before Jesus was actually born. And these men came around the king and told him these things. He was connected. He had religious teachers around him. He had the Bible being spoken to him. He was a man that was connected. But even so, he was unaffected by it. He was unaffected. He was unmoved. Even though he had the Bible being spoken to him, even though he had people who had religion and, and, and knew the Jewish faith and history, he was unaffected by all. Didn't mean nothing to him. How sad. You know, there's many people, literally, many people in pews and in chairs up and down our country. They have teachers who will point them to Christ. They have friends who used to do the things they did, but now their friends have changed, have stopped doing those things, and now become believers and followers of Christ, like we heard this morning from Steve and from Kevin. They have changed. And even though they have these things around them, they still remain unaffected. Jesus told a story of a man who goes into a field. And as he goes into a field, he finds a treasure that was valuable. What does he do? The Bible says that he covers up the treasure that was valuable. He goes and he sells everything he has just to buy that field. Because he knows that in that field he's worth something far more than what he owes. You know, a Spanish ship that was sunk about 300 years ago. Apparently, this Spanish ship was loaded with gold and diamonds and rubies. But this year, they found the ship at the bottom of the sea. Took them years to find it. Deep in the bottom of the sea, they found this ship. What do you think they're going to do about it? Oh, well, now it's there. We can just forget about it. No, 
people's lives have changed. They are thinking about ways how to get that shit buck up. People want to actually die down there and to get the treasure. Everything's changed now that they found out that there's a Spanish ship sunk 300 years ago laying at the bottom of the ocean. You see, what I'm saying is this. Once you find Christ, once you've heard about the gospel, once you have the word of God being preached, once you have the Bible in your hand, I want to tell you, it's worth far more treasure than anything else you can get hold of. In fact, you need to understand that what you have here is passing away. It's, 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 it's rusting. It's, it's, it's vanishing. But when you come to know Christ, it's eternal. Once again, I go back to Kevin's testimony when he said that he used to wake up in the morning, 15 minutes, he's out the door. But now, an hour and 15 minutes, he wants to spend his time in this book. Well, Why? Because he's found treasure. He's found something more valuable than what anyone could ever imagine. And this king, King Herod, he had this treasure around him. He had men, religious men. He had the Bible being spoken to him and prophecy being told him. And yet he remained unaffected. How many people in our day are unaffected by the good news that Jesus Christ has come to redeem and to rescue and to ransom them from sin. How many people, like King Herod, refuse to believe that someone has come to deliver them and rescue them from hell? You know, earlier on this year, we were driving, me and my family, and as we were driving down, I believe it was at 8.12, we saw a car. It was a high-spec car. I think it was like a a BMW, brand new, or, or, or Mercedes, and it was parked on the side. And there was four people standing next to the car, well, a little bit further from the car. The car was on fire. The heat that was coming from the car was so intense that as we drove past, we felt the heat coming through. And I was not surprised that these four people were no longer sitting in the car. No matter how beautiful the car was, they were no longer sitting in the car. They were out of the car because the car was on fire. It was an uncomfortable place to be. I want to tell you something this morning. Jesus speaks about hell. In fact, Jesus speaks more about hell than anybody else in the whole of the Bible. And this is what he says. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Let me tell you something. Hell is not made for you. Hell is not prepared for men and for women who are created in the image of God. Hell is not prepared for you at all. But yet, King Herod, who rejected the truth of God, rejected the word of God, rejected the people that surrounded him who could point him to God, will end up and did end up in that very place. Can I say this morning, and I say it with love, as Christ would have said it in love, that if you do not accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, you yourself are damning yourself to hell. 
If you do not say to Jesus, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm unrighteous. I know that I've turned my back upon you. And I repent and I say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, forgive me. And he will forgive you. But if you do not say that, you yourself will have no one else to blame. When you find yourself saying, and God's word saying, depart from me. I do not know you. You're going to a place. I didn't prepare it for you. I prepared it for the devil and his angels, but you're going to join them in that lake of fire. And Jesus preached this so often, but he preached it in love because a king has been born. A king has come to take a people out from the kingdom of darkness and bring them into a kingdom of light. A king has been born to deliver a people who are bound by sin and to release them and cause them to be bound with the light of the presence of God. A king has been born. That is what Christmas is all about. And yet so often we... we we miss the message. So often preachers preach a nice message. But a nice message may not win people to Christ. But a message that is true, that speaks about heaven, but also mentions hell, sometimes have to be spoken. King Herod turned away from God even though he was well connected are you well connected this morning well you are because you're in the house of God this morning that's good maybe you've got some Christian friends that you know and they speak to you about God that's good as well but may your connection with those friends mean that you have a connection with the almighty God himself let's finish this message off by my last observation about this king he was a religious man let's read the verses here look at him here he goes then King Herod called the Magi secretly and find out from them the exact time the star had appeared he sent them to Bethlehem and he said go and search carefully for the child as soon as you find him report to me so I too may go and worship Well, here he is. He had a form of godliness. What did he say? He said, you know, find out where he is and I will go and I will worship him. Not I will see him. Not I will, you know, bring some gifts like you. No, but I will go and I will worship him. He had a form, an outward form of godliness, it seems to me. You know, I've come across many people like that. They walk into a place of worship. They walk into a church. And I've seen them. They walk into a church and they see some water there. They think they've got to touch the water and cross themselves when they walk in. Don't know what that means, but they think it means something, you see. Or they come into a church and, you know, they, they see people bowing their heads, so they think they should bow their heads as well. Don't know why they're bowing their heads for, but they, they think it's, it's the right thing to do. I see people coming to church and the bread and wine is being passed by. Well, they don't really believe in the body and the blood of Christ, but the bread and wine is passing by. Everyone's having a piece of it. Let me have a piece of it as well. And yet they look at them on the outside and you think they've got some kind of 
godliness about them. Some kind of faith about them because they're saying amen. They're touching the water if there's any water around or they're crossing themselves or kneeling at the front of the door or kissing a statue and they think that they've got something. Like Herod. Herod was giving those wise men, he, he was giving them, you know, he, he, he was telling them, you know what, I can pull the wool over your eyes. I can pull the wool over you. And you know what? He could. And he did. He pulled the wool over those men's eyes. They went away saying to one another, hey, that king's a nice dude, isn't he? He wants to come and worship Jesus with us. And they went over to Bethlehem. But you know what? King Herod did not pull the wool over God's eyes. Because we read at the end of our reading, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to... Who warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod? They, <laughs> who warned them in a dream? Yeah, we can go on that. An angel, I've got no fruits for you, my brain, it's all gone. But yeah, I mean, God spoke to those wise men, or an angel spoke to this wise man, but somehow God said, do not go back to Herod, because even though he's fooled you and pulled the art wood over your eyes, he has not fooled me, says the Lord. I know his heart. I know what he's like. He's a murderer. And do not go back to him. You know, Jesus had to deal with men like that. Men who, on the outward, looked like they were listening. But on the inward, they had murder in their hearts. Look at this story. I'll just give you a brief story here. Jesus now, he's in a synagogue. And Jesus said to the man who was ill, he had a shriveled hand. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. So this man stood up in front, he got a shriveled hand like this, he stood up in front of everyone in the temple, and Jesus said, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger. Now Jesus was angry with this crowd. He was angry with this church that he was in. The synagogue. He looked around in anger, the Bible says, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched out it, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Now that's so, un that's crazy. Hold on, listen to the story right. Here's a man who's got a shriveled hand. He's ill, he's sick, he couldn't work. And Jesus stood up and says to him, listen, what is it, which is the best thing to do, to do good or evil on the Sabbath? But they were in church. They had the appearance of being godly. They were sitting in front of the Messiah. They were sitting in front of Christ. They were hearing him preach. They're hearing him teach. And everybody looking on the outside will say, what a crowd of people. They're sitting before Christ. But the Lord wasn't looking on the outward side. The Bible says he was deeply distressed at the stubbornness of their hearts. 
I wonder how many stubborn hearts do we have in the house this morning. You're here and everyone who says it's great to see you, it is great to see everybody in the house of God. But what is your heart like? That's the question. What is your heart like? Because if your heart is stubborn before God, no matter how much religion you think you have, if your heart is stubborn before God, then Jesus will be deeply distressed at the stubbornness of your heart. These men, they went out and they plotted to kill Jesus. Herod had a stubborn heart. What did he do? Well, when the, when the wise men didn't come back, he made a decree that the babies over that area who are two years old or under will be killed. He wanted to get rid of Jesus, just like these men wanted to get rid of Jesus. Having a form of godliness. I'll just put this first up. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. In closing, in conclusion, what is the answer? Look at Herod, he's a king. And yet even though he was a king, this man being well connected, this man having religion, this man seeming to, you know, be a little bit disturbed, you know. What is the answer for us? Who can we look to to give us a right pointer, a right direction? Well, let me take you to one old man, not myself, an old man in the Christmas story. He's not often mentioned, although Mike Luxford mentioned him today. He's not often mentioned in the Christmas story, but he's there. His name is Simeon. You won't find him in a palace. You'll find him on the street. You won't find him dressed in rich robes and clothing. You'll find him wearing rough attire. But when Mary brought Jesus into the temple, Simeon was there. And what did Simeon say? Let's look at what Simeon said. Simeon took him, that is the baby Jesus, in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. I can talk about that this morning. But I will say this. God has prepared a salvation. God has prepared a rescue plan. That we heard wasn't just started at the beginning of time, but was before the foundation of the world. He had prepared his salvation. And like Simeon, you and I need to stay clear from the king, Herod, and realize that we need to get a hold in our life, the salvation of God. That is a man who I will point to. Here's a man who's old and dying. He will say to you this morning, have you got God's salvation? Not man's salvation. Not man's ideas or man's plan. Not the preacher's idea of how you to be saved. No. Have you got God's salvation? Which is found in Christ. And in Christ alone. As we end the last Sunday before Christmas, I wonder what your Friday morning will be like.
I wonder what your Christmas day will be like. Maybe you are so busy, you've got so much things to do on that day. And that's wonderful. This family is very important. But can you remember that a king has been born? And this king has come to dethrone you, take you off your high horse, to set his kingdom in your life in order to bring you out from the kingdom of darkness and to bring you into a new kingdom. A kingdom of light. The kingdom of God. May that be your Christmas joy this Friday. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, God Almighty, we have too many Herods in our world today. Too many Herods, Lord God Almighty, who have become kings in their own lives and queens in their own lives, who refuse to hear the word of God because they are so comfortable ruling and reigning in their own life. But Lord, you know that the man who rules, the woman who rules their own life will end up away from you. Departed from you. Separated from you. And so Lord we pray this morning. That you will humble us oh God. That each one of us here will be willing. To step down from that throne. Each one of us will be willing. To step down oh God almighty from our high horses. And to say with John the Baptist. He must increase. He must get greater. He must get bigger and bigger and bigger in my life. And I must decrease and get smaller and smaller and smaller until no one sees Jerry Sandy anymore. But they see Christ in me, the hope of glory. Father, I pray that many here today will put their old self in the grave, oh God. So you might rise up new men and women who will live to the praise and to the glory of God. Help us, Lord, we pray. We cannot do it in our own strength. We've tried and tried. But, oh God, I pray, may your spirit come down in power. May your spirit come down in mighty strength. And may you do the work for us. For Christ's sake, I pray. Amen.